So Monday morning, I was sitting at our kitchen table and journaling and doing some reading from God's word and and just kind of reflecting on life and 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 trying to draw close to God and listen for what God might have to say to me. And, and, and as I was in the midst of that, there was this sense of, I can't think of a better word than dread, that just kind of began to, to, to close in on me. And it was, I'm not really quite sure where it came from. I hadn't been paying attention to, you know, the latest COVID numbers. The stock market hadn't opened up yet. Uh, there was nothing that I'd even actually been looking at on my phone or, or reading about to, to have caused this to happen. But it was just this very strange moment of, of me trying to draw close to God and listen for what God might have to say to me. And, and this sense of darkness that just began to kind of um, overtake me. I'm not going to say it overwhelmed me, but it overtook me and it surprised me that there was just this impending sense of dread. And, and I couldn't really make sense of it. I wasn't feeling any extra stress, like I said that day. But it was just a sense of darkness and fear and anxiety. And I thought to myself, man, if this can happen while I'm trying to study God's word and draw close to God, then what happens when I'm not studying God's word? How do I deal with the fear and the anxiety that life brings our way? And so this morning, that's what we want to talk about. Now, I, I recognize that for some uh, fear and anxiety is more than just a fleeting moment. Uh, that there are new, and we see these numbers, just staggering amounts of numbers of people who live anxious lives, of people who I would say need God plus a little bit more. We think about that when we have a, a physical illness, when we break our arm, we, we need God's provision, but we also need a good doctor. And when we're, our body is fighting illness, um, we, need, we need medicine to help do that. And I think that that I want people to hear that as well, that I recognize even in the midst of this sermon that the anxiety and fear uh, that I'm going to be talking about, that, that we need God in the midst of that. And for others, there's, there's probably some other uh, help that is needed as well. But I hope and I pray that no matter where we find ourselves in the scale of, of dealing with anxiety and, and fear, that we hear a hopeful word from God this day, that when the dread starts to set in, that we will remind ourselves that God is with us. And, and this is what we're going to read this morning from Psalm 27 as David emerges out of an anxious moment, out of a time where he had been filled with fear. And if you know the story of David, there were, we're not sure which occasion this is, but there are numerous moments when he would have been fearful for his life, fearful for the people around him. So we're in Psalm 27. And we're going to read the entirety of the psalm. I invite you now to listen for God's word. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who st will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter 
of his sacred tent. Set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. There is so much in Psalm 27. I realized I could probably preach five or six sermons on the entirety of this psalm. But the reality is what David is, is confronting or is dealing with is his own frailty. I, I think even in our own society, we oftentimes like to give the impression that we're strong, that we're invincible. But deep down, we know that we are frail and vulnerable, that life has a way of pushing us down, that life has a way of making us anxious, of making us fearful of what might happen. I was thinking about this and I remember back to my childhood, uh, my grandmother would use the phrase nervous wreck. That was how she described herself often described herself oftentimes, like particularly if my brothers and I, my brother and I were wrestling or if we were goofing around and doing something that we shouldn't have been doing or if we got home late or whatever. She's like, you're making me a nervous wreck. And what she was describing was the fear and the anxiety that she was experiencing. The nervousness that was literally wrecking her life. Now, now she would not have described it that way. She just said, I'm a nervous wreck. But if we're honest with ourselves and with others, we do grow nervous. We do grow wary of the darkness that settles in sometimes over our lives that, that we might not even see coming. We're afraid of bumping in to something in the shadows. Darkness has a, as a way of, of kind of drawing something out of us. I mean, think about it. If you have a security system at your house, how often do you turn it on during the day when you leave your house? And how often do you turn it on at night, even when you're at home? Because you want to lock yourself in. You want to make sure that you're secure from the darkness that is outside. Now, you may recall in the Gospel of John, in the 20th chapter, this is after... Uh, the resurrection of Jesus, it's the same day that he has been raised from the dead, but it's now nighttime. And the apostles are freaking out because they're scared. They're scared that people are going to come up against them. There, there's been rumors that Christ has been raised from the dead. And so they lock the door behind them. They, they, this is the security system of the first century. Listen to this. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, 
with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So get this, nighttime has fallen. The disciples are fearful. They're fearful for their lives. They're fearful of the uncertainty. They lock themselves in the room. And Jesus just walks right in through the wall, through the door. We're not quite sure. But all of a sudden, he was there in the middle of them, in the middle of their fear. And what I love about this is that Jesus doesn't wait until they get up enough faith to banish the fear. Jesus shows up and gives them the faith so that they might push away the fear. And we read that, that that Jesus is there and that they are filled with joy, that their fear turns into joy because Christ has shown up in the midst of their fear. He doesn't wait for us to figure it all. He shows up. And not only does Jesus show up, and I think this is very important. We see this particularly in the Gospel of John. We read that Jesus stands in the midst of them. He stood among them there at the end of verse 20. And he says, peace be with you. This is where we find Jesus in the middle, in the middle of our lives. We think about the crucifixion. There he is in the middle between two criminals. And in our own lives, he wants to be in the middle. He wants to be in our midst, in the midst of our fear and our uncertainty and our anxiety. Jesus says, let me be with you. And then he gives the disciples his peace, my shalom, my wholeness, my completeness. May that be with you. And then as we read, I love this in verse 22, he says at the end of verse 21, he says, I'm sending you out. And then he breathes the Holy spirit on them because if Christ is sending them out, he's commissioning them there, but they know what they are going to face. They are going to face risk. They are going to face fears. They're going to have anxiety because they're taking the message of Jesus out into the world. And the only way that they are empowered to do that is by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathes his spirit on them so that they might fulfill the mission. So they might live out of Christ's love. First John 4.18 reminds us that perfect love, the love of Jesus, casts out all fear. But what I want to remind us of is the opposite of that is true as well. That perfect fear, guess what it does? It pushes away all love. We're seeing a lot of fear. And what fear will do is it will keep us from loving. It will keep us from serving. The the media the, the social media we hear, the news that we hear, it stirs up issues of fear. And it keeps us from fully living and fully loving. And Jesus, I, I love this image. He stands right there in the middle with us, offering us his love and his peace. Now, for David in Psalm 27, the way in which he describes this is he talks about worship. We see this in verse 4. As David is is considering what it is he wants from God, how it is that he looks to God, 
One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his holy, or to seek him in his temple. David brings us back to worship. It's what we talked about last week. He says, my desire is to be with God, that the the way in which I deal with my fears is I worship God. The one thing that I seek is to dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze on the beauty of God, to seek him in his temple, to look upon the beauty of God. What does it mean to look on the beauty of God? Well, I want to take us back to, to Genesis and, and, and suggest that this, this beauty has to do with God's goodness. If you remember the, in the very end of Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, after creation is done, we read that God looked and he said, and he saw what he had done. He said, this is all very good. Now, the Hebrew word that is used there is the word tov. And, and the word tov has to do with a good that radiates beauty. So if you were with us last week, you know that we talked about in the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus said, let your light shine so that people may see your good deeds. And we said that word good there was the Greek word kalos, which was not just good, but it's a good that radiates beauty. And so what David is describing and what Genesis is describing in particular is God is saying, here's my goodness. It is a good that radiates beauty. And David said, Lord, I want to look on your beauty. I want to behold your goodness. And he's in the temple and he sees the place of sacrifice. And ultimately, he, he's recognizing that it is that sacrificial love of God that is a part of his beauty. You know, we, we, we messed things up in the garden. It was beautiful. It was perfect. God looked at it and said, this is very good. This radiates my beauty very well. And we messed all of that up. We marred the creation. But there's still something about this idea of sacrificial love. So that now, as we think about post-resurrection of Jesus, post-crucifixion of Jesus, that Jesus sacrifices his life, that he brings his beauty into the world. And then when God looks at us, he sees us as those made in his image, as one who's beautiful, a beautiful daughter, a beautiful son, created in that very image of God. That is the beauty that we long for. That's what David's saying. I want to see that goodness. I want to see the beauty of the Lord, the way in which God has now restored me. Psalm chapter 90, verse 17. And the NIV uh, translates it not quite accurately here, but this this verse says this. Uh, this is the prayer of Moses. It says, may the favor, now this is actually should be the word beauty. And if you look in the footnote in the NIV, it, it says beauty. May the beauty of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. May the beauty of the Lord rest upon us. That as we gaze into the beauty of God, the psalmist is saying, may that beauty, may the beauty of our God rest upon us. Because when God's beauty rests upon us, we are a different person. Tim Keller puts it like this, and, and it's actually from a book on marriage, but, but I like the way that he describes this because it reminds us of the importance of being known. 
of, of, of being known by others, but also being known by God. He writes this to be loved, but not known is comforting, but superficial to be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved. To be known and not loved. That is our greatest fear. And that's why David goes back to worship to be reminded of God's love for him. And our fears are real. And, and as we think about the way in which we, we make our way through our fear, I mean, sometimes our, dealing with fears and anxieties, God brings healing, God restores, but sometimes he doesn't. And sometimes we have to just, we get this sense that God is with us, even though things have not quite gotten back to how they should be. Sometimes I think in our fears, we have to be like Jacob and we just hold on to God until God brings blessing, until something changes. Remember when Jacob's wrestling with the man of God, he says, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. And sometimes I think that's what we've got to do. Sometimes, you know what? We just have to keep singing. We just have to keep singing Psalm 27. We sing our way into hope. We sing so that we might remember what it is that God has done. So I think as we consider our own lives, and as we particularly, I think, consider our language, the way in which we speak, do we speak from a place of trust or do we speak from a place of fear? Because I think a lot of people, as I listen to conversations, as I read what people post, whether that's on Twitter or Facebook or wherever else people are, are writing stuff, there's a lot of fear. And a lot of people are speaking out of a place of fear, not out of a place of trusting God. And you know what, David, the, the beauty of Psalm 27 is David says, I've just been through it. I've just been walking through this dark, troubling place. I've just been dealing with my own fear and uncertainty. My enemies are coming at me. And he says, you know what? I will not fear. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. And I love that David says, not just that God is li his light. He says, he is my salvation. God is more than love. We say God is love and God is love and God is, God is love. It's great and it's wonderful. But David is saying, he is also my salvation. That in him I find my hope. That as I look to the temple and I look to that place of sacrifice, as we as followers of Jesus look to the cross, we recognize that in Jesus Christ we find our salvation. That he stands in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our uncertainties, and we look to him and he gives us his peace. He breathes his Holy Spirit on us so that we might go out and live in the world of uncertainty, but being confident that God is with us because God is my light 
and my salvation. He's not just this abstract idea. So I was trying I was thinking of this image of light and, and there's, you know, there's so many different directions we can go in, but, but for some reason I thought back to years and years and years ago when I was doing camping ministry and uh, the camp I worked at, we basically had four different programs that, that were fairly far apart. A couple of the campsites were probably at least a mile and a half apart. And when we were running those camps, and if you were a coordinator of one of those programs, you got these great little um, Honda trail bikes, these set Honda 70 trail bikes, motorbikes. Um, I've got a picture of one here. Now, I have to tell you that this trail bike looks nothing like the ones that we had. Ours were junked out. <laughs> there were no blinkers. There were no mirrors. Um, they, you know, they were treated pretty horribly. We, as the coordinators of the camp, probably didn't treat them very well. But we needed them because the roads that we traveled on were dirt roads at the best and usually just kind of paths. And, and you needed a dirt bike to get around to get someplace quickly. But I'll say the one thing that always worked on those Honda trail bikes was the headlight. At least it worked most of the time. I have a few stories. I'll share those at some other point. But what would happen is during the evening, because we ran all our programs at night. And so the darkness would settle in. And the camp, I mean, it was you were on roads that had no lights whatsoever and paths that had no lights. And if you were trying to get from one program to the other program, the quickest way there was on your little dirt bike. And you needed that headlight to help you see where you were going, to see the path in front of you. Now, it was not a bright light, but it was just enough light to help you see the path ahead to help get you to the next place. And at the end of the night, enough light get get you back home to your cabin. And when I think about the Lord being my light, that's what I think about. Now, God's word and God's brightness can come in the in a form of a blinding light like Saul who becomes Paul had to experience where God, you know, just struck him down with this bright white light and this bright noise. But that that's not what we're talking about here. What I'm saying and what I think David is getting at is saying, Lord, you're enough. You're going to light the way. You're going to give me just enough light to see my way out of this darkness. Therefore, I will not fear. Verse 13, wrapping up this morning. As David ends this psalm, he says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness. Now that goodness, that word there is the same word that's used back in Genesis chapter one about the goodness that reflects beauty. David says, I will see the beauty of the Lord in the land of the living. Because David says, I'm going to make my way through this. Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. And I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I pray that for us. 
I pray that we will look for the goodness and the beauty of the Lord, that we will not let fear overwhelm us or overcome us, though it, though it might try to push in on us and that darkness might seek to descend upon us, that we will say, you know what? We speak against that because the Lord is our light and our salvation. And therefore we have nothing to fear. Pray with me, please. Thank you, God, that we are reminded that your perfect love casts out fear. But Lord, when we allow fear to start ruling in our lives, we can become unloving. So we recognize that we confess that we ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, we also ask that we would trust in you, that, that as we worship you and as we look to you, we would see that you are our light and salvation. And Lord, if we find ourselves this morning, nervous wrecks, if we find ourselves this morning with a sense of dread, would you help us to know that you are with us, that you are in our midst, that you calm our fears, that you stand in the middle of us? that you breathe your Holy Spirit on us and grant us your peace. May we experience that. May we cling to you, trusting that you are with us and that we will see your beauty in the land of the living as we make our way through this day, this week, this month, and this year. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.